0: Welcome to the Kino Lorber Blu-ray release of John Woo's Hard Target. I'm Mike Leader, a.k.a. the Fat Arnold Vosloo, and joining me is Brandon Bentley. Hello. Now, Brandon, yes. it's the most dangerous game set in New Orleans. Didn't That's Canon true. Films kind of do the same thing with Michael
1: Dudikoff and Steve James with Sam Furstenberg directing? It's funny you mention that. Even though I haven't seen it, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Avenging Force, is that correct? Yeah, you haven't
0: seen Avenging Force. You have to see Avenging Force. But let's, my my let's, list
1: of films I need to see keeps growing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's get into Hard Target. So were you aware of John Woo before this movie, or was this kind of your introduction to John Woo?
1: So I will admit, when this came out, um, I, I was definitely a, a bit of a, a youngin, And so John Woo, it's like, oh, it, it sounds interesting Let, let's let's see what this is about And of course my dad being as awesome as he was i saw a lot of the uh, r-rated action films of the uh, the early 90s uh, much sooner than i probably should have and so that being said this ended up being my my first john woo film and then as i got older then i started to finally be able to properly dive into his uh, his back catalog starting to see uh, vhs copies of a better tomorrow and the killer and hard-boiled at uh, good old Blockbuster video back in the day, so I, I really had no idea what to expect when I saw this. I just knew more of Van Damme than I did John Wu at the time.
0: Now, that w- the, the gentleman being chased is our scriptwriter Chuck Farrer, um, yes. and we're introducing a, a deadly array of bad guys led by uh, the wonderful Arnold Vosloo and Indeed. the irrepressible Lance Henriksen.
1: Oh yeah. <coughs> now, and it's funny too because um, I, I read a little bit about uh, Chuck Farrer and his first film as a writer was Navy SEALs, and apparently that's what his background was. Yeah, like it's in real life.
0: A, I always think the problem is Navy SEALs was such a great concept and such a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> like, I interviewed Michael Bean, and he was like, oh my God. He goes, what could have been? Yeah. <laughs> and everything. But, um, but no, I mean, it's a great idea. I mean, I, I've always loved the most dangerous game, and I love the setup, especially that it's a city where the police are on strike. So people running around with machine guns, and in Arnold Vosley's case, a grenade launcher, nobody (laughs) questions. I mean, I understand the police are on strike, but surely there should be some discretion. We don't want to raise too much attention.
1: Just a bit, I mean, when when they talk about finding his body in the fire later on, it's like, did nobody hear the explosions (laughs) the night before? Like, nothing on the news at the very least? But it's funny though, because with this whole opening sequence, for those watching this, there might be some confusion as to what version they're watching, because I kind of wanted to discuss that while we're still in the opening, because this cut of the film is considered to be the unrated or international cut of the film, because both the opening and the finale were longer in the international cuts, while here in the U.S., they were trimmed down by about three minutes from it's this cut to get the. You Americans yeah. are such sensitive fellows. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like even this moment here, where he's trying to get the, um, the the arrow out of his shoulder. It's funny when I've read about how you know certain films can be gorier, but once you start to get into the psychological aspect, like someone going through a lot of pain, it's just like. When it becomes uncomfortable for the audience, that's when the MPAA is like, eh, we're going to step back and pull, pull back a little bit on this. So, yeah, both, basically the opening and the, uh, the finale are the two biggest differences uh, between the R-rated theatrical cut in the U.S. and the uh, the unrated cut that we're uh, seeing here.
0: Now, what do you think of the supposed John Woo director's cut? Uh, or should we say the assemble edit, the rough cut? How? Yeah, Because so, that, that one has always been the one that people get so excited about
1: true and, and it's funny too because uh, apparently the big revelation this year in 2021 is that the cut we're watching now, uh, Wu has kind of finally settled in and went you know what, this is my director's cut but yes the actual, the work print cuts and there are two of them, uh, there's the, uh, the the almost mythical uh, I want to say about 115, 116 minute cut which was the version that had uh, temp music which I'm definitely going to just keep bringing up throughout the film <laughs> uh, and then there's the, the earlier cut that is a little over two hours that's a bit of a trick to get through and that's the thing that people don't realize about work prints they are interesting to watch but more often than than not they're not the directors final approved version it's basically just putting everything together trimming the fat although there are some moments not even in that two-plus-hour version but I'll, I'll point those out when they should have appeared but uh, they're worth a watch but for the most part I think this is a much tighter film no 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 than, definitely than that and I think also people forget
0: the it's like, it's an assemble edit. There's yeah. entire sequences. There's music. Because sometimes I think people forget that you go, well, we'd have to rescore the entire movie. We'd have oh, to. Absolutely. It's like um when they started doing DVDs and releasing the full Chinese print, with a, also with an English dub, as opposed to just the shortened international print. You explain yeah. to people, the English dub print was 10, 15 minutes shorter than the Chinese print. And oh, you, yeah. And that's why...
1: You know, there's You can't always use the original dub because it just wouldn't match. It's yeah. You know. Or in the case of uh, Bruce Lee's The Big Boss, you have the Cantonese track using Pink Floyd music. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> what, Which they're not know, too happy about.
0: One of my mentors, Frankie Chan, that's how he began his career at Shores, doing the music and yeah. taking music from Star Wars and Pink Floyd and everyone and making it work before finding his place as a composer and everything. So. Yeah. Now, New Orleans is a backdrop. I mean, it's a great thing. I mean, the Big Easy, No Mercy, Johnny Handsome, also with Lance Henriksen, you know, <laughs> it, it's a great setup. And it's just, it has that feel. It's got that, that, yeah. that exotic feel. It doesn't feel like normal America.
1: Oh, no, not at all.
0: And, and course, it's funny, too, yeah.
1: because um, when we were going through the the crew earlier in the opening credits, uh, I found it funny that there's a, a link between... Uh, this film set in New Orleans and uh, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond also set in New Orleans. Uh, in that you have um, editor uh, Bob Morowski, Oscar winner. Oh uh, yeah. I, I might add. And between him editing this and being the uh, the co-founder of Grindhouse releasing with the, uh, the late great uh, Sage Stallone, uh, he also edited Spider-Man, which actually has like a one second shot from the beyond, so weirdly enough, this has like a weird connection with another uh, New Orleans-based film, but also with a bit of a international flair thanks to being an Italian movie, so a little bit of a side tangent there. <laughs> okay, now
0: here we have our leading lady, the lovely Yancy Butler, who I always yes. thought should have done more, because there's there's yes, something absolutely. about her, she's got that kind of like, haunted look, but she's also got that kind of spunky, Yeah. you can't push her around, like, And one of the things I always liked in Hard Target is she doesn't become an action hero. Like, she
1: doesn't just suddenly know how to you know, field strip an mp5 and start shooting people <laughs> you know, but apparently much to her chagrin in a recent interview she says she she didn't like being the uh, damsel in distress apparently and she actually joked about how in the finale when the first time she gets a gun she's like chance and then tosses it to him granted she gets one moment where she gets to blow away one stunt guy but <laughs> she's like oh i got a gun let me give it to van damme and she apparently was not enthused about that <laughs> <laughs> Womp. but no but it's the the funny thing is it's always
0: that hard thing because you go, you can't have everyone in the movie being an action hero, or you turn yeah. into the Expendables and you're going, then we don't True. have time for everyone to do anything. Now, I always <laughs> liked this character, um, your know, Willie Carpenter as Elijah, because yeah. he he brings something to it. There's, he gives it some depth. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And it sets up that whole thing of that the subpopulation who are living on the street and everything, and I, it's just such a cool setup. Whereas, of course, now we introduce the man, the mullet, the myth. (laughs) That is Jean-Claude Van Damme. Now, Ah, of course, early ideas for casting for this movie included Kurt Russell. And it is a kind of big trouble in Little China, Jack Burton mullet extraordinaire.
1: I mean... To the extreme. I mean, I I think uh, Russell pulled it off a little more uh, naturally, and for the time period as well. This is like... For the longest time, I wasn't sure if Van Damme had extensions or if he actually went that route. And most pictures around this time, it's like, no, he was actually growing it out. So it's like, oh, all right. Yeah, he grew it out um, (laughs)
0: because I think he came straight from Time Cup onto this. So I think it was like, yeah, he had that quite, quite luxuriant head of hair in Time Cup and then straight into this. And it's just, of course, my only big issue is we're about to... See the group of thugs, which include Van Damme's double Mark Stefanich, who has the exact <laughs> same haircut and is the only other person in the movie with Oops. the exact same haircut. And I always and get the feeling that maybe that day a stuntman didn't turn up and they were like, Mark, we need you to p- jump in because it just feels like something for some variety. Because it's like, it's not as if you go, oh, there's
1: this whole group like in the Warriors, you know, the mullets who are wandering around New Orleans, <laughs> you know so it's funny uh we were talking about just using music willy-nilly and then you know the the temp music of the work print funny enough in the work print version of the film the the more widely seen uh version um the music that actually played during the scene was an eric clapton song a walkin blues and I don't know if they had planned to actually license that in the final cut because there are I want to say like two tracks actually survived from the work print to the finished cut and I'll point this out when we get to them but yeah there were two Eric Clapton tracks in the work print and this uh, had the first one the funny thing is I
0: love in work prints when people do their temp music Um when yeah. we did Gen X cops Benny Chan had temp the music with like the Beatles and everything, and you were just like, I don't <laughs> think we're going to get away with it. Now, nah. the gentleman kicking the car and making trouble is Pete Antico, veteran stuntman, stunt actor. Yeah. I said, Mark's, Mark Stefanich, not exactly hiding the Van Damme mullet in the background. <laughs> yeah. You know. So I said, I always felt, yep, somebody didn't turn up <laughs> because, as you said, it's just at least you tie his hair back, put a hat yeah. on him, do something.
1: Yeah. Now, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Pete Antico because, um, once again, going back to temp music, and I'm going to bring that up a lot. Now, when this fight actually kicks in in the work print, it um, goes to a track from uh, Lethal Weapon 3 by Michael Kamen. It goes by a couple different names. Sometimes it's called Armor-Piercing Bullets, other times it's called Gun Battle. And funny enough, uh, Antico actually was a stuntman on Lethal Weapon 3 as well, so there's a little bit of a ironic overlap there. Now, this moment is an Isaac Florentine moment. Yeah, like, the, <laughs> you know, the slow
0: reveal on the leg, like, he's, it's a six-shooter. It's just such a <laughs> such a great kickoff, and boom, the action begins. Literally. <laughs> yeah. You know, and as we said, it's pretty much this scene, you get the nice kicks, then in the finale, but for, for most of the movie, it's
1: it's a very different fighting style for Van Damme, Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was a very, uh, quite a change of pace because I know one thing I read about with Wu was that when he came over to America, for some reason, a lot of the scripts that he was given were like martial arts stories. And that really hadn't been his thing for quite a while. No, I mean, I bizarre. think that's the funny thing because if you look at it, you know, Ringo Lamb, Kirk Wong,
0: Troy Hart, John Wu, Ronnie Yu, everyone was being offered martial arts. Like, um, yeah. Ronnie Yu, when we were doing Fearless, uh, I actually originally we had a Savat character and it was a really cool character. And I was like, hey, you know, I could reach out to Jean-Claude. And Ronnie was yeah. like, no, I don't want to be. I, I want to be the one Hong Kong director who never made a Van Damme. movie." <laughs> yeah, you know, he was like, I like Van Damme, but I just I don't want to be the all Hong Kong directors have to have Van Damme in their movie at some point.
1: It um, did kind of become that uh, that trait over time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because like uh, Jean-Claude spends a lot of his time in Hong Kong. And a yeah. couple of, about two years ago, we were at his house, and I was helping him clean up some stuff in his home office. And suddenly, there on his shelf are a better tomorrow, better tomorrow to the killer, bullet in the head, laser discs, all signed by John Woo. And I'm oh. like, oh, dude. Yeah, like, can I have them? He's like, <laughs> no. I'm like, I'm like, you don't have a laser display. Just let me have them. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, because <clears throat> it was that thing that you know, Van Dam was that key. As, you know, as much as people give him a hard time at times, he was a key to a lot of these guys getting their first Western breaks. True, and very true. I think unfortunately, Wu kind of got the the bad end of the stick in a little bit. But yeah. the funny thing is, you go Wu had the most successful career out of all the the Hong Kong directors who worked with him in the West. Um, yeah. but the problem is. Kind of, John Woo came out of Hard Target almost like he was the victim. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, like 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 the guinea pig
1: basically for this setup.
0: And I think part of it was the funny thing is you think about it, at this time you already had a lot of American directors and stunt choreographers, shall we say, homaging as opposed to stealing from John Woo. Yeah. Um, yeah. but of course the, the the classic thing happens that still happens to this day. It just happened with like say uh, Kenji Tanagaki on Snake Eyes. Let's bring in someone who's known for their action, known for their action directing, and completely question and undo their magic yeah. by being like I, producers I, and stepping
1: in and, and messing it up. And I, part of me says I've never understood that, but sadly I also do understand from, like, the bad side and, like, not – by no means does that mean I agree with it. It's like, oh, I see what you're doing. Here we go. It's the same song and dance. But that's what was so funny about Sam Raimi being one of the executive producers. And the more you read between the lines, the fact that he was an executive producer, not a like full-blown producer, was, oh, yeah, this confirms that Universal had him as a backup in the event that things didn't work with Woo. But the funny thing is, Raimi's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Like, oh, no, exactly. John but
0: Raimi did go, I'm going to take Arnold Voslo and turn him into Darkman. The two two (laughs) Darkman sequels, yeah, which are (laughs) really good fun. So yeah, there you go. (laughs) And now we have Cassie Lemons as the world weary, one working policewoman in one working police Ah, in the whole of New Orleans. (laughs) Yeah, and it's interesting because you know you go, okay, who's giving a woman a strong role? She's you know she's a woman of color. It's it's not a throwaway thing. You know, if you look at it, you go. A lot of people would have been, oh, I'll just stick anyone in there. But but Cassie Romans yeah. gives it something. Because even this bit with the birthday cake, it's just you realize how sad her life is. Oh, you know? God, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a very John Woo moment. You, you, you know, there's still an element of fun in there. So yeah. You know. And
1: but, that's the thing. I, I feel like some of the reviews for the film kind of, I don't want to say gave Van Damme a hard time. If anything, a lot of them kind of felt bad because it seemed like there there are so many great supporting characters in this film it's like oh yeah this is a van damme film isn't it like even lance henriksen in a recent interview he gave he said he felt like van damme was not given like the best writing with some of his films including on hard target yeah and i think that's also what people forget that van damme had established his brand and he was trying
0: to show there was more to it but suddenly you're seeing all these other really good actors coming in they're all getting cool moments they're all getting cool characters and of course you've got you've got to start going, Wait a minute, I'm the lead I'm the star of the movie.
1: <laughs> you know. And it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned that because with Van Dam One of the stories going around, amidst the seemingly forty-two different times of trying to get an R rating for this film, Van Damme, of course, had his own edit where apparently it was more of him and less of Lance Henriksen. And it's funny this this isn't the first time that something like that had happened. I mean, even Nighthawks with Sylvester Stallone. Oh yeah, I mean Stallone uh, now admits to it.
0: that 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 he was intimidated by by (laughs) Rutger Hauer. Now, Mm -hmm. what's interesting is this morning I woke up to the news that Frank Grillo is going to star in a Nighthawks TV series produced by Sylvester Stallone. So that could be interesting. I missed that
1: bit of news today. (laughs) Now,
0: my question is, why is Yancey Butler dressed like a schoolgirl in this sequence? (laughs) Yeah, because, like, she's got, got, you know, like... She just looks like she's gone to Melrose Place as opposed to... (laughs)
1: I think you know. this is around the same time. That sounds about right.
0: yeah, you know, and I, I, I do like the kind of bizarre chemistry with with Jean-Claude and her. And as we said, you know, there was, of course, the love
1: scene that disappeared. Yeah. yeah, which got whittled and whittled and then finally just disappeared. But I'll uh, we'll, we'll certainly jump into that one and where it would have been, because I feel like uh, amidst the work print, that's probably like the one like full chunk scene cut out rather than a scene extension. No, I mean,
0: one of the funniest things is I did a movie in Hong Kong that when we began filming, it was called Blind Power. And it was like a Hong Kong take on Zatoichi with a oh. Lam Ching Ying. Nice. And then halfway through shooting I, I rock up on set one day and Lam Ching Ying's driving a car and they go, Oh, we've abandoned that idea. And I was like, but we've shot stuff where he's blind. <laughs> um and then the movie was released as the sad story of Saigon, did absolutely no money. And at the time the category three genre was really popular in Hong Kong. Oh so I they decided this to now. add all these love scenes <laughs> at the most inopportune moments. You're, like, you're like you're like you and me are loading guns and it's intercut with a wild sex scene it's just oh my god yeah i think sometimes (laughs) finding where to place a scene because as you said you go unless you're gonna kind of do the what's the movie with um one of the baldwin brothers and cindy crawford the fair game where yeah like okay it's kind of like they have a sex scene because it's more kind of just out of the adrenaline rush
1: as opposed to anything else and that but, was a very big thing in, like, the early 90s and in the 80s. It kind of tapered off by the, uh, the late 90s, I would say.
0: Now, this is a nice moment because we're going to get John Woo homaging himself.
1: Yeah, like, <laughs> you know,
0: John Woo now gives Van Damme the
1: hard-boiled reveal. There you go. And yeah. funny enough, you know, once again with the, uh, the temp music, uh, the temp music in the work print for the scene was actually from uh, Rapid Fire. It was a track called uh, Together Alone by Christopher Young. Nice. I, I'm a big yeah. fan of Rapid Fire. That's
0: a movie that I think misses oh, yeah. its appreciation. But Very this true. is the one moment you go, okay, is there some chemistry between Yancy Balor and Jean-Claude? Because she seems somewhat smitten by this man. We're where... going to make it work, damn it. Exactly. She, she's giving him the eyes. But I, I really like this moment where she's like, okay, you're going to drive the car, you're going to do all this, and he's like, uh, I don't know how to drive a car.
1: I like the fact he's beat. a kind of, yeah,
0: he's a flawed yeah. hero. Yeah, he, can, not he can ride a, a mean motorbike, but he don't know how to drive a car. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's your realism. <laughs> exactly. And just, and he looks good in the long coat. I mean, and even this, the conversation you're, about their names, you know, the whole, you know, my name is Chance because my mama took one and your name is Nat. You were named after a bug. Yeah. You know, it's cheesy. It's like, no, short for Natasha. <laughs> it's, it's cheesy, but it kind of works because it is, got to
1: realize you go, they've just met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're vastly different personalities. You got him raised in the bayou, born on the bayou, if you will. There and you go. You got her By Uncle from yeah. Uncle <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But um it's
0: just it's so much fun and Yancy's rocking those eyebrows. She's got those very intense yeah. eyebrows. And then John Senna's going past on the tr- on the tram from a uh, 12 rounds it's you know it's, it's all taking place at the same time yeah
1: <laughs> well, we'll go with that it totally works it's the 12 rounds hard target cinematic universe
0: exactly and lance henrickson is doing double duty in this and johnny handsome at the same time yeah it's just anything set in the bayou any minute now you're, jerome crab's gonna turn up with kim basinger looking for richard gear it's gonna get messy and then dennis quaid's gonna
1: turn up and everything will go wrong so yeah you know. and it's so It's so funny with with the mention of the Bayou, I've joked with people that if Double Impact was Van Damme's version of uh, Double Dragon, this is the closest we'll ever get to a movie based on the video game The Adventures of Bayou Billy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well it's a bit of a deep cut there one of the most difficult nintendo games of all time based on a japanese game called mad city but yeah you know you got a character raised in the bayou fighting organized crime members getting onto his turf it's like yeah it's, it's kind of the same thing it's I, know, a bit of a I, I was I'll, always I'll hoping it. van damme would do pitfall i mean pitfall the movie <laughs> with
0: van damme would have been fun
1: but I mean we got Bruce Campbell doing the voice of one of the games. So exactly. And Jack Black
0: did one of the commercials <laughs> so yeah, you never know.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, the but, original. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> I, I do
0: I really do like this setup of, you know, that you've got this kind of under undercurrent population like um there's a Hong Kong movie called The Moss where mm-hmm. uh, Fancy Wong's character is this incredible assassin but he lives on the street. And Yeah. Like it the running joke is that he has guns and money in shopping carts around Hong Kong because he's like, well, no, you know, nobody's going to steal it. So, yeah, he just has it lying around. And I did a movie, and I was trying to push that for one of the characters. I was going, no, you've got to have this guy, and he's just got all this money and stuff tucked away. He's he's the king of the beggars.
1: Yeah, you know? literally. And then
0: this reveal as well. I mean, the fact that you know, you're seeing, okay, they were once the family. And it also sums up why she gave you know, Cassie yeah. Lemons the picture, picture of herself and her father when they were kids, because she hasn't seen him for 10 years. She hasn't had anything to do with him. It's, it's, there's no contradiction of suddenly there's a picture of her
1: and him from last week. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, too, because I'm not—I I think those could be real pictures of him clean-shaven, yeah. Chuck Farrar. But the funny thing is, there, I think there's only like a 13-year difference between he and Yancey Butler. Well, I know, mean, just just give him that great big bushy beard with a little bit of gray, you're good to go. As and, well. of course, here we have
0: the great Elliot Keener as Randall, Randall, Randall.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's that terrible thing where if you're an actor, you hate it, but people go, you're perfect for a sleazy, untrustworthy character. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we were doing casting for a movie with uh, Roel Renee, who, who went on to direct Hard Target 2, and there was one character in... That was his whole thing. He was like, Mike, I want you to find me the most untrustworthy yeah, actor in Hong Kong. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a living. It's a living. And then of course he was like, Mike, that's perfect. I, I don't trust that guy as far as he as far as I could throw him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but, that, that's what you want on your resume. Exactly.
0: And I just <laughs> and, and there's this
1: kind of
0: for the first time we're really seeing the menace. Cause the first fight Van Dam was kind of playful. But yeah. now you're seeing. Oh, hang on! There is some presence behind. There is a bit of menace, and they're setting up as well the idea that Van Dam is known around the city. And of course, what a yeah. reveal for Arnold Rosley. I mean, it's just he—he oh, yeah. he is the dude. I mean, I was always amazed he didn't break out more. Straight away after this, like it was great to see him jump from this to you know the Darkman movies, and then suddenly, boom! Yeah, you know, with the Mummy, mo- the Mummy, and then he did this crazy movie called a. Uh, I think, Death Train, where he's yeah. with Mathis Lanver fighting fight, fighting
1: the uh, the Opus Day, the Vatican's secret army. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But it's funny, too, because I remember reading, amidst everything, with uh, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, uh, which I believe you did a little bit of work on, correct? Yeah, yeah. I said, I, I yeah. worked on it, and
0: according to the Chinese crew, I was the fat Arnold Vosloo. Like, some of the Chinese <laughs> crew assumed
1: I was Arnold Vosloo, and I just got old oh, and fat. And I was like, thank you oh, so much. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, it's so funny because I read, like, leading up to that film, like, they had all these ideas to try to interweave it with the verse 2, including, uh, you know, Brendan Fraser's character getting more desperate. Like, hey, what if we bring Imhotep back to help us fight, you know, Jet Lee's mummy yeah, and his there, army? Yeah, there was and talk
0: then- of that when we were prepping it. They were going, there's, there's a possibility that Arnold Vosloo might come in in a supporting role or in a cameo as kind of, like, exactly that thing, like desperate measures we need we need the devil on our side yeah and then it course, would have been interesting but the, yeah just and of course kind of the fell, funny fell thing fell for, is you know Jet Lee and Van Dam nearly worked together on Knock Off on the original casting for Knock Off it was originally Van Dam and Jet Lee. but Jet Li I left to do le- yeah Jet Li left to do Lethal Weapon 4 and gotcha. I think also because he'd read the script of Knock Off um, <laughs> and the first version of Knock Off the first script was as we discussed in Knockoff commentary, utterly insane. Yeah, you know, Steven Stephen D'Souza may make a lot of uh, comments about his, his issues with Van Damme on Street Fighter, but I'm like, I read I read the script for Knockoff. Like that wasn't exactly the greatest script of all time. <laughs> but I love the mo- I love the finished movie, yeah. yeah.
1: And then, and it's funny because I, I feel like even with Street Fighter that's got, garnered its own cult following over the years as well. And you know, I, I think Steven D'Souza's kinda come to come to terms with that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think with Street Fighter, it was just, yeah, it was a chaotic
0: production. I mean, it shot, yeah. you know, in Thailand, in Australia. Then they had to do reshoots in Canada. It was just, yeah, and it's like certain movies I just running out. And man, Lance Henriksen just looks like the devil. I mean, Lance Henriksen yeah. would be perfect as the devil. Yeah. Devil in a suit. And everything. And then Vosloo's just loving this. I mean,
1: <laughs> and and the South
0: African accent works so well for this character. And yeah, the fact that yeah. the character is called
1: Pick Van Cleef. yeah, <laughs> Now, who could that be a reference to by any chance? Yeah, I got no idea. But it's funny because, you know, we, we mentioned earlier with the, um, the work print and the NC-17 rating. While I do think a lot of it could pass for an R nowadays, I do think that the moment here that got cut, no pun intended, probably would still get an NC-17 just because of how drawn out of it and also
0: it's because he's relishing it, it, it there's no yeah, remorse there's
1: no like in the course of the fight
0: i cut your ear off i specifically yeah. went reservoir dogs on you and just cut
1: cut a chunk of your ear off yeah and someone mentioned like oh well face off there's a more brutal ear blow off shot from a gun it's like yeah but it goes by so quick and exactly. it's in the heat and of there's, battle there's no you're not thinking about yeah, it yeah
0: there's no build up to it there's no i'm standing there with a gun you're rubbing it against your earlobe before I pull oh, the trigger. Yeah.
1: You know? Oh, yeah, no. And then also,
0: okay. later on, you don't have John Travolta making jokes about it. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas you know, Lance Henriksen and, you know, and Vosloo, I like the fact that they so obviously enjoy what they do. You know, that they're, they're, they're obviously... Uh, you know, the whole setup of the, this is their world. They love The Hunt. They yeah. love it just as much as anyone. That the money is of almost no... No thing to them, you know, And it's yeah. just a,
1: except in his case, it's basically almost like bait that he's just completely distracted by before he gets. Well, I mean, you know, the entire beat, beat the fact the that, of. <laughs>
0: that Henriksen then later on gets people to pay to join the hunt to get Van Dam. I always yeah. thought it was just genius that he's like, "Oh, we're in trouble. We're gonna do one last hunt and get everyone to pay to take care, take part in it. <laughs> just,
1: just throw all the money. We're, we're good and everything. And then just he's like, that's just boom." Yeah. And it's funny, I, I still wonder if there might have been a take where he tried and it just did not get stuck in the, the door jam at all. That's always the mistake. problem.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's sometimes it is the worst thing on a set where you're like, yeah, it won't stick in the wall, or I've just cut <laughs> myself, or I've broken the scissors, or, you know, you know I've, I did a movie with David Carradine and we had all these prop walking sticks for him to hit people with and he broke them all in 10 minutes. So... <laughs> He then had to hit people with this real heavy one, which I think he knew he was doing. Oh, no. He he quickly went off and broke all the props, and then it was like, I guess I'm going to have to use this big walking stick with a brass eagle (laughs) on the top to hit people with. Please don't. Please
1: don't. Now, where do you think the love scene came in? Was it here, or was it... um, So, it it was actually a little later, because um, I know they're not quite in their... um, proper attire quite yet. I think it was actually after uh, Chance does his investigating and then she finds him at the police station. Ah, Honestly, she feels was right sorry for him, so
0: she, yeah. g- she gives him a sympathy jump.
1: That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the only other scene where we actually see his uh, run down place aside from this. Yeah, I mean, and it's
0: interesting because I like the juxtaposition. You know, you've got Lance Henriksen sitting there in his beautiful mansion. Van Dam's just in his shitty yeah. room. And, and, you know, <laughs> has access to the coroner's report. (laughs) Yeah. That's not HIPAA certified, damn it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then Vasu is obviously playing on a PlayStation or something, you
1: know, or, 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 or making a painting or, or something. You know. it's, it's like that joke that went around of everyone uh, recently saying, Hey, remember that episode of uh, Fresh Prince where they were playing Nintendo using Sega Genesis controllers?
0: Yeah, something. Like... <laughs> that same look on his face. <laughs> or the bit where they go, You're on a set and they give you something and they go, Just imagine the visuals. And you're like, We're all imagining something else. Like, sometimes you film, and there's a dance scene, and you're going, every single person here is dancing to a different song. Yeah, yeah this, oh <laughs> this is really awkward.
1: And just of course, remember oh, this beat in your
0: head. We, ha- we have a dove, just to remind us it's a John Woo movie. In now, case you forgot, a half hour into the movie. That was my issue with, um, what was the Ben Affleck movie with uh with John Woo? Paycheck? Yeah, Paycheck. When suddenly, yeah. for no reason, doves appeared just... Purely and
1: simply because it's a John Woo movie, guys. We, we need to, to show people. Now, uh, I'll, I'll admit, that's one I have not seen, but I feel like a lot of people didn't, unfortunately. Um, it's,
0: the problem is it feels like someone pretending to make a John Woo movie. Oh. Yeah, like it, it doesn't oh. feel like John Woo was like, yeah, this is a really good movie. It feels like John Woo was collecting a check. Now, A paycheck, if you will. There you go. Now, my question Boom. is the two characters we're about to meet Mr. Frick and Mr. Frack. Um, <laughs> is that a it's reference really to Action though. Jackson? Because uh, in Action Jackson, they keep
1: referring to people's balls as Frick, Frick and Frack. So I oh don't God. is this some it's hidden <laughs> reference? <laughs> been a hot minute since I've seen that, but it's slowly <laughs> coming back to me, a la Celine Dion. It's all Ex- coming back to me now. Exactly. <laughs> but you, know, you also go,
0: is it because the city has been so abandoned by the police that Van Damme and co are able to do all this investigating and find out things the police
1: have either ignored or just have given up on. Or, it's you know, so funny because it just reminds me of like modern horror films where it's like, well, everyone's got a cell phone now. Quick, ha- have the, the, the phone signal go out or something like that. Well, or, it's, oh, I can't get a signal on my phone.
0: No, but it, it's it's always one of those things where you go, that is the problem now. Like, It'd be like, oh, I found this. Let me take a picture of it and send it to Yancey Butler's character. Yeah. But you go like the fact that she went into a bar, into the restaurant to use a payphone. And that's how she met Van Damme. So you go in a modern day film
1: she would have never met Jean Claude because she'd have been outside using her cell phone. (laughs) And that's the thing, I feel like with a lot of movies you can either try to come up with all these like leaps and bounds to make something work or you're just like you know what this movie takes place this year it's fine it'll take place in 1993 we're good yeah <laughs> we, we need to get prop pay phones now oh no and that is the funny thing because i like
0: i'm old enough to remember like when i first came to hong kong you'd put like a dollar hong kong in a pay phone you could use that phone for 24 hours on a local oh, wow. call there was no time limit on a phone Damn. and yeah, you know, we all had pages and we all had you know, the early mobile phones that were a nightmare, and now, of course, it is funny because you know when I was a kid, you know, I'd be like, "I'm going to Brandon's house," and I could disappear for twelve hours, and
1: yeah. my
0: parents would be like, "He's gone to Brandon's." <laughs> yeah, you know, Now that, it's that like, actually
1: sounds about right. A lot, a lot of the kids in the neighborhood went to my house. Yeah, so.
0: <laughs> but na- but you know nowadays, it's like, okay, I'll get there and I'll call you, and I I am reachable at all times. You know. You think about the old days when you would say, "Okay, I'm going to ride my bicycle to Brandon's house to see if he's there, to see if he wants to hang out." Oh, the good old days! You know, <laughs> I miss those days. It's yeah, you know, yeah. I miss being young. Yeah, sadly, I wasn't too young <laughs> when when Hard Target came out.
1: Now, yeah, <gasps> I, I was I was a little a little on the uh, the young side, like I said earlier, but uh, still enjoyed it even as a uh, an eight year old. Because hard, <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> Now, that's the damn, that's an introduction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you then wanted to grow a Van Damme
1: mullet and dress in a long coat and walk oh, around to school. My, with my, a dad took me see, my dad took me to see Kickboxer when it came out in theaters, so and I was not quite four. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but he, he made sure that I knew the difference between real and make believe. Uh, but so, as I mentioned earlier, that was actually where it faded to the scene between Chance and Nat at his. Uh, can't really call it apartments, apartment per se, but, uh, but that's where house, it was. Yeah, yeah. so it's because funny also because like in
0: in the direct the kind of like the assemble cuts, there's all those cutaways at times to like wild animals, playing up the whole thing of the hunt. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, which I'm like, I'm, I'm okay with them cutting out the real footage of uh, the animals getting uh, taken out or even, I think one like blows up or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's a little remember. bit shocking Asia footage. It's like, you sort of <laughs> a go. A little bit, yeah. Um, and I think sometimes
0: funny. that's the thing because like, you think about it, in Hong Kong, you know, John Will in his previous movie, Hard Boiled, just for the hospital scene, had had 40 plus shooting days for that. Oh yeah. And then oh, yeah. for this movie he had 65 shooting days. Which for yeah, a, and I
1: think he managed to squeeze like an extra 9 out of that yeah, I believe. Yeah.
0: Which for a, for for a movie in the west is a pretty good shooting schedule. That's not bad. But, you um, know, but and it's but you got whereas nowadays often we get like 30 days if we're lucky. Yeah, you know, like true. a lot of movies we're getting like 20, 25 days maximum for the budget. So you know you go but the same thing that Wu was suddenly in a situation where he had all these people second-guessing him, asking him, why is this shot for this? Why is that shot for that? Um, I remember when Donnie Yen was making his movie uh, Legend of the Wolf. I asked the new big boss. Yeah. (laughs) We were all like, if he dies before this movie is edited, nobody will be able to edit this movie. (laughs) Because he had all the shots in his head. And he'd suddenly be like, oh, Brandon, I need a minute of reactions from you. Because that way, I've always got something to cut to. So if you looked at the the raw footage, suddenly there's a minute of you going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that he was and it's like, so funny. You know. what's so funny is that you know recently there was something like that that kind of came to to light, and I'm I'm sure you heard about it, it was uh, the uh, the John Liu film New York Ninja that he shot, and the footage just sat there for like almost forty years. Oh no, that and is he's not very dead. He yeah. just left it. <laughs> I'm very interested to see that because John Liu is yeah. John Liu is
0: just John Liu in every movie. I mean yeah. the fact that you know <laughs> he could do a movie like you know, Zen Kwon Do in Paris, a, a Kung Fu Long vs. Manual, where he plays John Liu, the sexiest man in the world <laughs> and founder of Zen Kwon Do, yeah. There but you go. You go, it's just so and Lance Henriksen is just so so because cool. you think about it, at the same time as this you've got Henrickson doing this, he's doing Stone Cold where he's the coolest biker in the world. Oh you know, he's, yeah. <laughs> you know, just Henriksen is just so good and you think he was already fifty something when yeah, he did this? I think fifty-two yeah. when he did this. I mean it's scary. Henrickson is just like I was realizing like he's eighty years old. It's you know, yeah. It's and just and he's still
1: getting work, so it's great. I mean, that's the thing about character actors. I forgot I want to say it was Jeffrey Lewis who might have said this, where you know, he, he liked being a character actor because he said, you know, there's more work and less pressure. Exactly. And of course Jeffrey Lewis worked with Van Damme on double impact.
0: You there know, you go. Now, yeah. Now the funny thing is there's a great indie movie called Bring Me the Head of Lance Henriksen, which uh, Michael Worth <laughs> directed. And it's about Tim Thomason, you know, from Trances who decides yeah. to go after Lance Henriksen because Lance Henriksen's getting all the work. Yeah. yeah. It's just very, I think I've heard about that one, yeah, actually. It's, it's very strange, but it's just... It's also And you're just realizing as well how damn hot it was because that's a major sweat stain on the back of Lance Henriksen oh God, there. Yeah. Which also Absolutely. makes you wonder, how hot is Arnold Vosley because he's wearing a turtleneck and oh, a God. jumper?
1: Now, it's funny because when they film this, and actually the scene, or one of the shots coming up, will kind of give it away. Uh, so you mentioned the uh, the shooting schedule. They, they started on, I believe, October 1st, 92. So when, yeah, right here, you kind of see what looks kind of like Christmas lights, but not really in the background. Now, uh, my question parlor.
0: has always been, aren't we lucky that Van Damme walked in at the first part of the massage? <laughs> because somewhere in a freaky alternate reality... <laughs> Van Damme steps in at a different part of the massage. He's, he's going to yeah. give a happy ending to Bob. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that would just completely be the ultimate mindfuck, shall we say. <laughs> because you think about so, the Randall character would be like, what the
1: hell is just going on? <laughs> this, this suddenly has a really strong grip. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up. So, yeah. <laughs> so so anyway, um once again going back to uh, some of the work print stuff, uh, the finding is the music that was used in the build-up to this scene before the reveal that it's actually chance, uh was a track by uh, Bill Doggett, I believe, uh, called Honky Tonk Part One, which strangely enough did not make it into the final cut. I think it's just Graham Ravel doing a uh, sort of a cover, if I'm not mistaken. I
0: mean Graham Revell, him and I mean I like the fact that there's him and Kodo doing the music on this one. Oh yeah. because um, yeah. sometimes Shortly had, like, before The Hunted. Yeah, and you had Kodo also doing, like, Rising Sun and everything. I mean, yeah. it was like, I, you know, it's just, it works for this movie. And I think the funny thing is especially because I think we're kind of, like, hard-boiled. It was the first time Wu had, like, a dedicated composer. Yeah, like, yeah. when he had Michael Gibbs. Up until then, you're like, okay, on The Killer, he'd had Lao Low come in. But, you, you know, to suddenly be in a position where you've got someone writing specific music for you. Even to this day, it's still quite a rarity in Hong Kong. And this is just the the same thing. It really shows that the police are kind of screwed at the moment because she doesn't turn up to arrest him. She just turns up to kind of, like, threaten him and then give him the evidence, which I was always a little bit confused uh, about.
1: Yeah, a little uh, off uh, off the book there, um, and it kind of comes back to uh, bite him a bit. And case in point, it's yeah. like, hey, we probably should have arrested him so he can't, you know, toss all this evidence away. And
0: also, you know, not given him the dog tag so Oof. that he can just
1: completely be like, yeah, I don't know what's, what she's talking about. What dog
0: tag? I don't know it. You know, have you seen the dog tag?
1: Uh. Yeah,
0: and I just love this because there's that great menace. I mean, the fact that Lance Henriksen is in the house. And Vosloo is just waiting outside, standing oh, yeah. at the doorway with yeah. his gun out. <laughs> just well, just yeah. build it up; it's totally fine. Yeah. While well, the neighbors, because, the neighbors are ignoring it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and it's funny because throughout this moment, you see his hand on the letter opener, and of course. The scene's playing out to make the audience think, oh, shit, he's just going to do something here or now. Yeah. It's like the Final Destination thing where you always have that one scene where a character is like dodging all these different ways that they might possibly die, and then suddenly it's like something random that kills them by the end of the scene.
0: Well, I think those cigarettes could kill him. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's smoke, it's smoking is bad. But, the, of course, and the funny thing is, that even that now, that it's amazing to think that in, say, the 30 years since this movie's coming out, that now you'd rarely have your character smoking that even true. even a supporting character they'd be like oh i don't know about that but it's just very true I said Vosloo is Vos is so good and the fact that he takes the knife here you're really like okay the knife yeah. is going to be used
1: <laughs> like he's covering the handle too it's like okay that's definitely going to happen just in case but then yeah. uh, maybe not but I said, it's, it you know did none of the neighbors
0: point out i mean is really is New Orleans in such a bad way that nobody's like, there's a
1: man standing outside my neighbor's house with a gun. Yeah, you know? And of course, it's been you know, pretty strongly established now that you know silencers aren't quite as silent as people think. Yeah, well, I mean, in this movie, people are running around with machine guns. I mean, Voslo earlier said they're
0: True. using a grenade launcher. You know, it's like, there is no discretion. I mean, None the scene whatsoever. coming up with the hunt, I mean, you know, you go same thing you know now this is just so awesome it's just such an awesome setup you i want there to be part of the chase through the railway yards i want yeah yeah you know, because it just you go this is what you, know, you want to see van damme riding on the front of that train like in runaway train you know firing his gun <laughs> you know
1: that that's what you want the big train you know the big train chase yeah, yeah. And it's funny uh, watching some of these scenes, especially at night. I know there was an interview with the uh, cinematographer, uh, Russell Carpenter, and he was talking about some of the challenges that he had and how... Um so many scenes they're like, oh well, we're just gonna use, you know, a high speed lens, we're gonna use a wide angle lens. And when they actually get to the graveyard, I know he had a few hiccups there because John Woo wanted some steady cam shots, but it's like, oh, we don't have the time, we don't have the budget to, you know, hide the wires, so you're gonna have to come up with something else. So it was a lot of yeah, trial I mean, and error. Th- there's a lot of
0: steady cam and a lot of glide cam in this. And you oh, know yeah. Yeah. and it works, but people forget especially back then, you were still filming on film the time it took to prepare. I mean, now HD, as much as people complain, it has made it easier for filming. But it's just, you know, sometimes with film, it's, you know, the finished effect is beautiful, but man, you're burning time and money when you're doing setups. And also, like, for Woo, where Woo was used to being able to jump around, not necessarily shoot masters and shoot establishing shots, you know, there's a very specific Western way of filmmaking. Yeah. You know the, from a financial and time-saving point often makes sense, but from creative can be a pain. And in Hong Kong, you know it's perfectly okay to jump shots and to jump, jump around. You know because well the camera's pointing this way. Let me get all the shots that are, are facing this way. I'm going to jump ahead. I'm going to sh- you know, I'm going to get everything as opposed to we're going to do this shot by shot, scene by scene, and everything. And also, there was the the question at the time, because Wu is very softly spoken and not the most outgoing and wild and crazy guy, people assuming, oh, he didn't really speak English. Yeah. Which I think was also part of the problem. There's a lot of thing of people questioning Wu's English ability. Yeah. And, of course, you've got Wu's English ability. You've got Van Damme with his accent. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I know at one point they tried to bring out Philip Kwok, Kwok Choi to be the action director for this, but because of the language issue, they were like, we can't have a stunt coordinator who doesn't speak English. Nah. Um, although later on we'd use him for, you know, Tomorrow Never Dies. Um Smart. But it, it, it's that thing. And also, I think that's why I'd love to hear Woo's thoughts about the movie, looking back at it, because... It must have been so alien for him, because suddenly he's you know he's used to being one of the god directors in Hong Kong, and suddenly oh, yeah. everything you do is being questioned, not just by producers but by department heads. Yeah, you know, oh, you've absolutely. got people going, wait a minute, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think this makes sense. Yeah, you know, where does this yeah. come in the script?
1: Yeah, and I and I feel like if it wasn't for Sam Raimi kind of being his cheerleader, it could have been worse. Because funny enough, he actually did. Uh, Raimi, that is. He actually had a somewhat candid interview around the time that this was coming out, you know, expressing that he did have concerns that, you know, Universal was going to try to water him down. And to be fair, I feel like even Sam Raimi was already having Enough issues with Universal at this yeah. point because, you know, Dark Man was doing okay. Army of Darkness was a chore to get through with Universal, cutting it down from 96 to 89 to 81 minutes. And at this point, I think he was just like, yeah, if I kind of shit talk Universal, I really don't care at this point. I want to make sure John Woo can do well, what they brought Woo to do. Well, I think that's
0: exactly that's the thing. You've brought out these directors, and as we said, yeah. like, it's just happened with Snake Eyes. You know, they oh, brought yeah. out Kenji Tanagaki to handle the action, they promoted the hell out of his inclusion in the movie and all the mi- the making of and then they just shaky cammed and you know rapid edited all his action and in the last couple of days he's been putting up the previews and you realise oh. how good it is. Like is I've seen the rushes and I'm like why did you trim this down Like you've actually yeah, got happened? the actors doing really cool long takes and you're like holy shit that's really the actors doing it but you've edited it down to the point where it could have been anyone you know, you yeah, know, why do this? And I think, as you said, Raimi was a perfect cheerleader because he'd gone through that war himself a couple of times. Yeah, you know, he'd Absolutely. gone through it on Crime Wave, then got, you know, got back onto it with uh, Evil Dead 2, and then suddenly the same thing happened again. You know, for Man he had to struggle for Evil, you know, for Army of Darkness. You know, got through the shoot, and then suddenly, oh, we love your work, but we want to change it.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's the thing with with Wu and this film is that you know obviously this is not the first time he had that sort of rodeo if anything he actually enjoyed the filmmaking process it was more in post production where he was starting to have an uphill battle however you know it's also bringing back memories of what happened when he was doing Hero Shed No Tears for Golden Harvest oh yeah and, exactly I mean yeah. which of course you, you oversaw the, the,
0: the, the, the re-edit of that and <laughs> the funny thing of that is I remember talking to like Wu and to Eddie Ko, and they were just like, exactly, that movie disappeared, and then suddenly Golden Harvest were like, hang on a minute, didn't John Wu make a gunplay movie for us? Like, and they release it like two weeks after a Better Tomorrow. Yeah, and you go, <laughs> but the same thing, it's like, you know, it's amazing how you can be box office poison one second, and the next minute they're, they're diving through the archives trying to find whatever they've, they've got of yours. You know, and, yeah, and and I think for Wu especially, is like he'd gone through that. He'd had that thing where he was, you know, he was the king of comedy for a while, and then which is weird know, to think of the <laughs> struggles he had, like you know, even to get to a better tomorrow where it was. If you replace John Wu and Jallium Fat, we'll give you more money to make the movie. Yeah, oh, and and you know suddenly was in America, which was his big fantasy. Why does that yeah. guy pick up his beer? I've never understood. It's like, are you going to drink it, or are you just that
1: concerned about litter? Yeah, yeah it's, it's not... The, the lid didn't touch the ground, just the side of the bottle. It's, it's still good, it's still good. You yeah. <laughs> know, now, I, I'm i sorry, but if I was in the
0: street enjoying myself and I saw a bunch of cars pull up and motorcycles, I would not want to hang around. Because no. it just, it's kind of... <laughs> Sets up that scary... And there you go. Ted Raimi, Henrietta from Evil Dead 2. <laughs> you know, I got no change, man. Exactly. And just... It, it's just such an awesome moment. And then here we go. This is classic Woo. This is just... Yeah,
1: the freeze frames.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's just... Oh, man. This this is... This is what you think... I think Woo's original vision would have been more like this. There would have been more... Yes. you got to show that murder is beautiful... But also, just as we said, you—they're
1: not caring about collateral damage in this movie. (laughs) No, especially at this point. And this was another moment where I I still wonder if the original version, at least, would still be NC Seventeen or get an R, where he gets back up and they shoot him again multiple times. And funny enough, even in the two-hour work print, there's a line here that wasn't even in that version. It was only in the trailer from Ono Vazu where he says to him, look at it this way, at least you're going to get to meet Elvis. <laughs> it's in no version of the film. It's only in the trailer. So I wonder, did they shoot that for shits and giggles as a trailer line? Did they actually plan to put it in the movie? No, so, and sometimes though, that's the hardest
0: thing because sometimes you'll be editing a trailer as you're filming or they've asked oh, yeah. you for stuff. And it's like, um, yeah, I worked on Rogue One and you look at that original trailer for for Rogue oh, One yeah.
1: and you're like, where are half of those scenes? Yeah. yeah. In fact, they said that shot of Felicity Jones looking down the hallway, they shot that as a trailer shot. They yeah, and that sometimes the that's
0: the thing. You'll go, thing. of course, the infamous Highlander 4 endgame. <laughs> Let's just shoot stuff that we had no intention of having in the movie, but it looks cool. Yeah, oh, It's times like that. It's yeah. like,
1: can you get a class action lawsuit from something like that? For exactly. Advertising? Like I,
0: can, I completely can understand when you shoot a hero shot for the trailer or a slightly yeah. different angle, or you're know, like the the classic Terminator 2 building the Terminator teaser trailer. But oh, when yeah. when they shoot stuff that you just go, let's have a shot of Van Damme with his shirt off running past an exploding car. It's not in the movie, <laughs> but just we've got a car that's on fire. You know? and, yeah, and teasers you can get away with that. Final trailers not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And then of course this is the moment. I mean, you just go, this is set in the COVID world you know the streets the streets are empty oh, you know? you're not wrong you are not you know, wrong and everyone's out there and it's just the same thing because Voslo just appears out of nowhere on an empty yes. street
1: like a like, ghost you know?
0: and it's just and it <laughs> sets it up so well because the. I think we've discussed it before you go you set up your movie with a line of dialogue oh the police are on strike you know, Enter the Dragon yep. Bruce Lee oh Mr. Han had a problem with guns you know, yep. And the audience accepts it. You don't question yep. and why. Any fool
1: can pull a trigger.
0: Yeah, and you don't question why there's no police. You go, oh, yeah, the police are on strike. You yeah. Know, rapid fire. Why do you accept that Brandon Lee as an art student can do incredible kung fu? One, he's Bruce Lee's son. And two, <laughs> the opening credits of Brandon Lee doing kung fu. You know, so you your go. audience goes, oh, yeah, I accept it. And in Hard Target, the police are on strike. So a group of mad, you know, most dangerous game hunters can run around the streets and nobody bothers <laughs> yeah. them. Or is New Orleans this crazy at the best of times?
1: Yeah. Oof, is oof. this the aftermath
0: but... of of Mardi Gras? That you, you, you oh know? god. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so it's it's so funny this with uh, w- the the shotgun blast. My my dad for years said the same thing, and I totally agree. It's like Randall's head would not be attached at this point. Yeah, that and entire windscreen spl- would be he just yeah. But, <laughs> like I know, they told Wu on set, "Hey, you can only do so much." Even before he had to cut it down, but it's like, yeah, at least like make the windshield obscure where his yeah. head was, because it would be hamburger at that point. <laughs> no,
0: exactly. <laughs> and the fact that they pull up and it's so obvious, like someone has just been murdered in that car.
1: Yeah. You know, and Yancy like Butler the gets went out. off. I don't know. Yeah. And then Yancy Butler just
0: gets out to take a look. Yeah. Oh, See. That's one of those movie moments where you go, "Hang on a minute," and then you know. But there we go. Now we've got the transition as Van Dam does become the action hero. As sadly, Cassie yep. Lemons, I don't think you're going to make it to the final reel.
1: Yeah, no, not so much. And she was another one where the, the death was definitely dragged out in the work print. And once again, it's like it feels more brutal because of that. Like she just gets multiple shots while still yeah. trying to take out multiple henchmen. So. And the
0: fact she's still fighting—that's the thing that she's. Yeah. But. Also, she's not become action hero. She's not doing double guns. She's not yeah. valiantly diver, And she's just struggling to stay upright. And I said, you know, yeah. frickin' frack of time. And then I love that transition. It's just, you know, it's it's a Gene Kelly moment. You know, like, I'll take over True. here. True. <laughs> yeah. But and you then did fo- your best. It's yeah. my turn now. And then, you know, Van Damme, the mullet is pumping. It's time to go to work. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, it's funny. The uh, the music that was, uh, once again, the, uh, the, the temp track in the work print uh, was from uh, Basil Polidorus from The Hunt for Red October. It was a track called Kaboom. And it actually plays throughout most of the sequence in the work break. And then
0: Stefanich and Van Damme both doing the jump. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just... Because the thing is, Van Damme had lost a lot of muscle mass, and Stefanich is substantially bigger. Yeah, so And he's
1: doubled for Arnold as well, I believe. I think so.
0: I mean, because Stefanich yeah. was SEAL Team 6. He's the real deal as well. Yeah, And just... um. But it's just, it's just such a good thing. And I will admit that many a time I've dressed like that without the mullet. But it's like, <laughs> I, I, I like my denim shirts and my jeans. So it's like, you know, I'm like, I can identify with that look.
1: You know? <laughs> and that's just, that just the rest of the film. Exactly. I just <laughs> don't much. have the mullet.
0: You know, and then, you know, you go, Voom! it's just, I think as well, you know, the, the, Reactions when the movie first came out was some people still wanted to just see Jean Claude doing martial arts. Yeah. So some people couldn't understand that there's because the, there is that homoerotic element in the heroic bloodshed movies. you know, oh, yeah. You know, and I think some people were like, I don't understand this. Why is this so emotion? Why are why are people posing with
1: guns? And you know? but it's funny because he he really didn't have that character to kind of play off of. It's not like Chow Yun Fat and Danny Lee and the yeah. killer. Or even in, you know, Hard Boiled, not not Danny Lee, obviously, but uh, Tony, brother, Tony number, yeah. Um But yeah, it was it was still basically like Van Damme's show. And of course, you know, as it's an American film, I guess Yancey Butler's supposed to be the, the surrogate for that? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, it's, you know, well, I mean, there's always that element. I mean, it's just you you go, they downplay it so much. And of yeah. course, now, now of course, you know, with face replacement, you'd be able to, to cover this oh, yeah. much better. You know, Shang-Chi being a prime fake. example, there's so much face True. replacement in that, that it's, it's epic. Yeah, you know, but you go, it's just such a cool element, I, I mean, people riding around with motorcycles with MP5s attached to them. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because <laughs> that's what you do, you know. And it's funny because in that recent interview with, uh, Yentia Butler, she actually said that, uh, one of the shots where you actually do see them together, apparently, they did have a bit of a crash and then another bike was coming at them it might actually have been the scene and she said that van dam actually kicked the bike away from her basically saving her life oh in no the he, the, the, he <laughs> is a
0: he is a good dude i mean he is a gentleman yeah. a nice hard boiled moment you know but <laughs> i and i think that's part of the problem is that jean-claude too often gets the wrong press all the time yeah and he is an eccentric i've been lucky enough to know him for god 30 something years Wow. And there are times where I've, I'm like, he's a madman,
1: but there's also times
0: where <laughs> he is just the nicest, best guy there is in the world.
1: You know, and that's what I've heard. Like even Lance Hendrickson said that you know it was kind of the same thing when he worked with him on here, but that he actually has appreciated it more as he's gotten older.
0: Yeah, and it's just Jean Claude can get very focused, can get very. He can get distracted. He gets caught up yeah. on a lot of things. Now, I've always loved this because when he kicks. Yancey off the bike and now you go okay he's out for revenge now the funny thing is there's a choice Yu Ming movie called uh, Mistaken Identity with Simon Yam Mm -hmm. which pretty much has this sequence in it where Simon (laughs) Yam's surfing on a motorbike and crashes into a into like a pickup truck you know it's and I was always like wait a minute I've seen that scene before,
1: <laughs> you know, but it's Van Dam- Maybe Wu was thinking, if they haven't seen my movies, they, they sure as hell haven't seen this one. Exactly, this. yeah, it's but you
0: know, Van Damme gets his little bit of Teen Wolf surfing going over,
1: <laughs> you know, and just... The, the, the hair really helps with that. Oh, yeah, I mean, that, it, that's, it broke that's the hair fall. built for slow motion. I mean, yeah. You know. And it's, it's so funny because... Um, in the work print, I don't think they formatted the shot correctly because you could actually see basically like motorcycle training wheels on the first part of that stunt. They did two takes. Yeah. There's one where they had the, the, the little training wheels, and then they did it again where it was already crunched up against the front, and then uh, Stefanich did the, the rollover for these. Well, I
0: know games. Jean-Claude nearly got toasted in that shot because he's told me
1: before. He's, <laughs> like, he's like, I ran a little bit too slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's like when you need to see their face, you know. like you said, nowadays it would definitely be deep faked. Exactly. And then just the
0: fact that <laughs> Henriksen is so cool that he's got the single bullet gun from Hard Boiled. You know, yeah. Like and you've, it's got to, you've either got to be an arrogant son of a bitch or the best <laughs> shot in the world because, you know, you, people have got MP5s and you're like, I'm going to do one shot at a time. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny
1: because uh, apparently that's the, uh, the Thompson Center arms contender gun. And um, apparently it's supposed to have a sight. And throughout the film, he does not have it. So he's just winging this shit. Yeah, but
0: it just looks... And, like, with this, it's just... It's such a cool setup. And then yeah. Buzz Lightyear running over the roof. It's like... <laughs> yeah, it's like, why? But... Because it looks cool. It's just awesome. Exactly. <laughs> And then, it's like Nick Frost in Hot Fuzz. Exactly. I mean, Vosler has turned into that character. He's like, can I run across the bonnet? Can I dive roll? Can I do this? Can, I, yeah. can, can we bring in a helicopter? Can, can, you know, can we? Can we? Can we just call someone a buffalo? What's going on? <laughs> yeah because I'm so, Russell was I, I so wonder, into it
1: yeah oh absolutely and I wonder if this the shot where they were on the bridge there's a story that um, the cinematographer Russell Carpenter was talking about where he was kind of doing like pre-prep for a couple of shots for the day and kind of just waiting and then John Woo came up to him saying like oh you're not working on anything and then Carpenter kind of freaked out and is like shouldn't you be doing something and then so Woo just kind of like takes him over points to the sun and says take in that sunrise there you go. No, like he, because, he, was, he was pranking him, basically. <laughs> it's like, no, just just enjoy the sunrise. We'll we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> well, that's the things. Like, um, a lot of Hong Kong talent
0: is used to doing stuff like that. Like, um, you know, being able to just take time off and discuss and to yeah. to go and do it their way because there's no such thing. But this is the moment I like that you know, Lance Harris has called in this team, including you know, Sven and everyone, <laughs> and then he's charging them. For the opportunity to help him hunt down Van Damme. that it's, it's not a pyramid scheme. Exactly, it's like, yeah, Brandon, I'd like you to work on this commentary with me. For only twenty-five dollars, you can contribute to this audio commentary. Yeah, you too. And and it's just the, now, the snake. I I yes. love the snake, but I also hate the snake because it's it's. <laughs> It just feels so badly handled and done. And the whole fact... And it's funny, that it would have been CG nowadays, so, yeah. too, and it's like... This is kind of... I mean, okay, at least it's not anaconda-level CGI, but it's just... <laughs> Give it, what, four more years, yeah, I think? Yeah, but it's just some very dodgy <laughs> animatronics, and yes, also the way people interact with the snake. Like, I'm going to hold the snake several inches down its body.
1: <laughs> so it can possibly swing its head around still bite me in the wrist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, and know. it's funny too because they actually had a um, a, a snake wrangler, Jules Sylvester, who is actually the guy who gets bitten in the face by the rattlesnake. Okay, was actually the the snake wrangler, which is funny because when I read that, I'm like, oh, so that's like what happened with the uh, the shark trainer on the set of Lucio Fulci's Zombie. They had a stunt guy who yeah, was exactly. going to be and then the like, underwater the zombie who quote unquote got yeah. sick. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I already trained the shark. Put me in the makeup. I'll do it myself. So but I, with I this... feel like that might have been the same thing. I'm like, does that mean they actually had a real snake? Am I completely wrong?
0: <laughs> or was At it like point... he was the snake trainer and they're like, dude, these are rubber snakes. What are you talking about? Yeah, I was like, eh, you
1: need, I'm you a need snake a trainer. I'm <laughs> a snake wrangler,
0: dude. Those are hoses. <laughs> like, what was going on? Yeah, and then this bizarre,
1: moment, yes, in the middle of the chase, Yancy, we're gonna have a makeout <laughs> session. Which yeah. is even more shoehorn than the scene that they cut. Yeah. <laughs> it feels more out of place because of that. <laughs> and then he With slowly the and phallically pulls it over her shoulder.
0: Yeah. Look at the size of that thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> and does does the Bruce Lee slap on it and then punches Oh, my God. It. Oh my God. Which, uh, according course, to Jean-Claude, that was a producer. Yeah,
1: you have to punch the snake. Punching yeah. the snake shows you're a hero. <laughs> He's like, fine, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, but no, it's funny, you know, going back to mentioning the, the, the deleted scene with the two of them earlier, um, both John Wu and Yancey Butler were like, yeah, we, we don't want to do this. And so, like, if you watch the two work prints, it got more and more whittled down over time. And so that's why when you see this scene here where they're like together, like, oh, he's going to kiss me. It just feels so out of place.
0: Yeah, I mean, and how can you have a snake wrangler? I don't think there's a real snake in any shot. Apart from maybe that one. Yeah, for a second, yeah. And then exactly, I'm going to hold the snake up so it could yep. bite me. That's or like a half a foot. Lance Henriksen could shoot it. Yeah. You know, and it explode. It's the wrong tool for the job. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which
0: means, shouldn't Arnold Oswego be covered now in snake cuts? That <laughs> sounds <laughs> about right. <laughs>
1: but I like the fact that Henriksen then just kills him. <laughs> yeah. And they cut a great line, too. I'm so sad to cut this. He, when he looks up at them, he originally said, you're all as dumb as a sack of hammers, but they cut it. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's where it's supposed to be. So, a L- little sad. But, but no, die I'm, quieter. Yeah, <laughs> but
0: it, it just works. Out. And of course, now we'll be, we're about to be introduced to the man and the legend that is not Wilfred, as I've always called him, Will Ford Brimley. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the as Wilfred the wonderful, Brimley. the legendary Uncle Duvet. Mon Uncle Duvet. Now, I, I've always wanted
1: to know. What people's reaction to this accent was if they were from New Orleans? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the funny thing because you know the, the whole thing with Van Dam was like, oh well, he you know he has sort of a French accent. He's he's from Belgium, so it's kind of kind of French sounding, but not Cajun. But at least with Wilford Brimley, it's like he's trying more Cajun French. But I've heard a lot of people are like, no, that's a for effort, <laughs> but but it's, no, it's kind of like Colin
0: Farrell in Daredevil, where you go. Colin Farrell (laughs) should be sued by the Irish, even though he's Irish, for that accent as bullseye. (laughs) You know, this is such a, this is the equivalent of whiskey for the leprechaun. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And, but it's, it's an interesting, because Van Damme and Brimley play well off each other. Yeah, absolutely. and there is a certain amount of chemistry between their two characters,
1: you know. Now, now, one thing I'm kind of glad that they cut in this intro scene... Was the love scene uh, between it, Wilford and, and and Jean-Claude. How did you know? <laughs> uh, almost, you're not far off, because they do a little dance singing uh, Alo- Alouette Tiel Alouette. <laughs> I, I shit you not. And it's, it's already cringy enough in the 116-ish minute cut, but even in the longer cut... It goes full John Woo thinking, well, I need some slow mo and slow fades. <laughs> Literally a spin around shot, similar to the spin around shot of Van Damme and Yancey Butler making out. <laughs> it is a slow mo <laughs> spin around shot of the two of them dancing, singing to each other in French. And okay, it goes, like, make what make, am I watching? Someone
0: needs to make the <laughs> ultimate cut where they insert that shot into Bullet in the Head when Simon Yam and Tony Leung exchange <laughs> their glances in the men's room. <laughs> yeah, just as like. What could have been? It's like,
1: yeah. Because
0: that is the shot that I've always been like, okay, that's a very bizarre shot. Yeah. But like this is full woo. I mean, you know, you know I've got the dusty gun. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going to hand it to you and you're going to just blow the dust off of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's But it just, Van Damme is the hero. He's got such a good heroic look. I mean, the mullet yeah. really did help and yes (laughs) as much as we make fun of it (laughs) and with the earring it gives him something there's something like sometimes i think the problem is when he's the clean-cut hero it worked in bloodsport and it worked in kickboxer but you kind of need to roughen him up a little bit like scott adkins that's why scott is so good as Boyka. that's why like in ninja Two, they like you know when we've got to give him a bit of a rougher look because you're 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 getting to play something as opposed to and just like, being yourself.
1: Yeah, d- Double Impact, I feel like, was Van Damme trying to have a foot in both doors with yeah. both Chad and Alex. Yeah, And even his look here is like, Alex, but he just let the hair grow out. Exactly. Um, yeah.
0: You know, now, of course, Double Impact was when Van Damme and John Woo first sat down. That was when they had the, the, the that. momentous meeting in Hong, in Hong Kong. And, of course... I think part of it was, I remember reading an interview with John Wood he was like, I wanted to meet him because the movie was being produced by Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you know, John Wood was like, I get, maybe I could get to meet Michael
1: Douglas, you know? <laughs> well, I'll meet Van Damme, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: And then the same thing, it's like, you know, Van Damme and Jens, yeah, Van Damme's like, I'm just going to go off and ride horses and
1: fight the bad guys. And then, like, you know, you guys are just going to run off into the sunset, <laughs> And that's the thing, too. Like, you were talking about how there is the confusion with the general audience. Like, oh, why, why is he not doing more of the karate? I'm so confused. But the thing is, he got to try so many different things in this. You know, horseback riding, motorcycles, you know, guns, whether they're handguns, shotguns, Uzis, no, like and everything No, and I think that's the thing that nowadays you'd accept it. you go, oh, yeah. he's, he's being an
0: action hero. but Multifaceted, if you will. This was still when, <laughs> but he's the karate guy. You know, yeah, like, he shouldn't be doing any of this. And if you look at, as we said, double impact... There's a bit of the John Woo going. Vic Armstrong was homaging John Woo with some of the action in that.
1: Yeah, yeah. when you've
0: got the double guns and everything. And of course, this is just—I mean, Sven is just awesome. Yeah, the great Sven. I mean, Sven Ole Thorson should change his name to Sven Ole Awesome because he's just. Yeah, I mean, from everything—from Predator to Total Recall to yeah, anything Schwarzenegger's been in is just oh,
1: absolutely awesome. Yeah, you know, and a he's Schwarzenegger just Schwarzenegger staple, if you will. Yeah, I mean, him and Franco Colombo and
0: everything were just. The gang yeah, and yeah. the fact that Schwarzenegger would put them in, they all got to have
1: a career somewhat from just being his buddies. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like when you look at Samuel Hung's films, you see how many people, like in the 70s and 80s, that he just kept bringing back. You know, James Tian, Larkar Wing. Yeah. Because it's very similar.
0: One of the things is you want people you know you can have shorthand, and trust. you can cut through, you can think. You know, one of the reasons Jackie and everyone like to fight their stunt team is they know each other's timing. They. Don't yes. take it personal. They know, oh shit, you're gonna fall, I'm gonna save you, as opposed to, oh you're gonna fall, I'm gonna let you fall. <clears throat> and then who set up the booby trap? Was this Uncle Duvet who blew up his own house? Or was it Van
1: Damme? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I and, would not be surprised if it's Duvet. Like he's been waiting for the moment where even though he's off the grid, someone's gonna find exactly. him. Exactly. Duvet is
0: actually French <laughs> special forces. Yeah, he actually you know there's a subplot where he taught Van Damme. To, to I want a alligators. prequel
1: spin-off with that character. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're out they're
0: out there in the, in the bayou fighting alligators.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's setting Van Damme off as a kid. Now yeah. I love with the house explosion and, and Duvet going off on horseback. This is probably my favorite cue from the work print. It's actually from the first Rambo film, First Blood. It's called Mountain Hunt by um, Jerry Goldsmith. So you have Duvet going off. Away from an explosion, set to Rambo music. And I'm so sad that that wasn't licensed for the the finished film. No, made it even better. (laughs) That's the thing, like,
0: I'm sure you probably picked up on it. Um, I always remember when Scream 2 came out, I was (laughs) watching it at a preview with a a very good friend of mine, Mike Miller from Knock Off and Once Upon a Time China thing. And we were probably the only guys in the audience who got excited when David Arquette appears and it's the, the John Travolta theme from Broken Arrow. Yeah, we were like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And everyone's like, what are you guys getting excited about? We're like, it's the music and, and and the music and uh, we're nerds. Yeah. It's, it's that
1: moment where it's like you appreciate it more even though you realize that most people around you are like, what are you talking about? And that's why you just enjoy it more. It's like, yeah, you wouldn't get it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'd love to know
0: how much of this is improv from Lance Henriksen. Like, I yeah. w- always wondered if that guy getting swept is like, what the hell just happened? You know? <laughs> move! Because, because move, Henriksen, you move? Is, is that Henriksen's just going off. And <laughs> I've had that on set where sometimes you're like, I just got hit by the actor. Like, what's going on? And, you know, Do I go with it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's funny too because in the earlier scene when he calls the one guy who apparently is named billy bob when he calls him a fucking buffalo what's funny is in the work print he's not the one who blows up the shack it's actually pick yeah. pick has a grenade launcher but the funny thing is like that's kind of out of character like pick would be smart enough to know this isn't our main target let him go so that was one of the smarter removals from the work print i think no it's and kind i of think that's also the loud. thing that people forget that sometimes You've
0: shot stuff, and then when you're assembling the movie, you do go, "Oh, yeah, that's our character <laughs> nah. for that, that." It makes no <laughs> sense that Brandon's character suddenly has a chainsaw in this moment.
1: <laughs> but on set, it was really funny. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, and that's the thing. Like when you're, that's why people don't realize how important reshoots are. There, there's been such a negative stigma with the word reshoot. Yeah, and I mean, the funny
0: thing is that this you know, round about the same time that we were talking about is. Um, when kirk wong did the big hit Mm -hmm. kirk wong talks about how great preview audiences are yeah because he's like this is great you get feedback because in hong kong we've always had that we do the midnight show on a saturday and then by the time the film came out on the thursday the following week there could have been major re-edits of the movie like um, like writing wrongs yeah yeah like um i i remember seeing hong kong movies at previews on a saturday night and then four or five days out, you'd be like, wow, they've taken entire scenes out. They've changed <laughs> stuff. Because I went, oh, that didn't work well. I mean, Ashes of Time, I remember being at midnight screen of that. And the audience did not react very well to that and ripped Ooh. up seats and everything. And we're just like, this movie is shit. <laughs> you
1: know? And I've heard of that. I've heard of that thing in, in Hong Kong cinema. Because I remember Linda Lee was talking about that with the big boss. When it, Bruce was like, oh, God, they hated it. And she thought that they were going to like start wrecking the theater.
0: Yeah, I mean, in Hong Kong... And then of course they, they loved it. <laughs> they used to,
1: like, certain cinemas in Hong Kong were very rough
0: and tough. You know, oh, like, um, there used to be a cinema in Chim Choi called The China Chem. and it was in the middle of Chim Sa you so you'd go, it was open 24 hours a day, five cinemas, um, and you'd go there and there would be, shall we say, ladies of the night, club girls, <laughs> triads, all watching movies. <laughs> and you were like, this is a very interesting cinema. You get a real audience reaction in this cinema yeah, you know, because it's authentic they, yeah yeah. You know. now as we did, you this is kind of like you've got that hard boiled feel now my question yeah. is these guys are either the best shots in the world because they're firing
1: machine <laughs> guns to miss or yes. they've completely ignored what Lance Henriksen has said and that's the thing. There, there's like a back and forth with like what he wants. Like, are they supposed to kill him? Are they supposed to just wing him so he can kill him? Or it's marshal like, what, what, him into one want? area. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, they're firing MP5s while riding motorcycles.
0: One handed <laughs> <laughs> MP5 firing is not very accurate. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're, they're trained to be stormtroopers. It's fine. Hey, oh, well, Oh that, That's the case. Exactly. Only Arnold, Voslo <laughs> and, and Lance can shoot people for real. Everyone else is just crap. Yeah,
1: but yeah, I mean, Sven just looks the part in that Hawaiian shirt and everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I feel like, you know, more often than not, he's really not been given um, much to say in a lot of these films. In the fact, he's got one line where he says, place is clean. He just left, which is dubbed two different ways, by the way, in the work print and the final cut, because it's not his real voice. But then I think about his line in The Running Man, where he basically gets, gets like a, a punchline almost at the end of the film. And, you know, when um, Richard Dawson's basically insulting him and he turns to him and says, oh, I guess it must be the steroids. And then he just leaves <laughs> and because he insulted him earlier in the film. He's like, oh, are you are taking too many steroids? And so finally he just gives him like a verbal fuck you at the end of the film <laughs> and basically is like on Arnold's side and just leaves.
0: Now, now, <laughs> here, now here's a one line. I mean, who came up with the one line of, hey, pigeon? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love the guitar sting,
1: yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's a very bizarre line. <laughs> It feels like something Van Damme would say in any film, so I wouldn't be surprised if like, you know what, let's try this. Hey, pigeon. Yeah. You know, and very accurate, I mean, the motorcycle,
0: everyone's going out the window. Yeah. And, you know, and I
1: love you see like a second blast of flame come from behind the explosion too. It's like, Jesus Christ. Well, it's like Van Dam knew what he was doing. Van Damme's got those special duvet bullets. It's... yeah. <laughs> It's kinda of like the bullets the warden had at the end of a story of Ricky, which I think might have been the same gun, actually. It could be. I mean I just and I just love the fact that for no reason Van Damme does the one armed shotgun thing, I take.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah. Just like okay, do Why because it looks cool. Exactly. And now we're talking of cool, we've got the slow-mo, we've got Henriksen is getting pissed. Uh-huh. You know, now you know, Now he's gonna have his little thing with Arnold Voslo about being a professional. Yeah. You know?
1: Because the fact that
0: Voslu's character has several times gone,
1: we could be out of here, we could leave. You know? Yeah, he's the smart one. He's like, you know what? I know it's, you know, it began as a matter of principle, it becomes a matter of survival, to quote the trailer for Game of Death. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You
0: know,
1: as long as Bob Wall doesn't appear and tell us he knocked out Hong
0: several times. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. And just Van Damme, I said, Van Damme looks the part, you know, you've. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's a great, you know, we're in this mad warehouse that why are there all these Mardi Gras things in an industrial factory? Because like, <laughs> at first you're like, like, well, it's kind of a warehouse and you're like, part of it's a
1: factory. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, like the deeper they go in, the more it's like, oh, wait, it's actually a, a storage facility for Mardi Gras. All right, sure. Why not? Yeah, and, and you, it's you, so funny. Like so much of the behind-the-scenes footage for this film that wasn't shot by Universal directly is all in I this think scene. They just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I think they just invited all the press during the filming of the most complex action scene of the entire movie. No, no pressure on Wu or anything. Yeah, because it's it's
0: very true. <laughs> all the EPK footage from everyone apart from Universal all takes place in the factory, in the warehouse, yeah. while people are on fire. That's why when Lance Henrik's on fire, everyone and their dog saw it happening.
1: Like even, I read the focus puller was even set up in like a special flame retardant suit to make sure they didn't catch on fire for those shots. Yeah, I mean,
0: and it's the fact that Henriksen, I mean, he's fire gel to hell. But the fact that he keeps going, because the problem is with fire gel, it's very easy when you've got it on. Once you've had it on, you go, I can be on fire, it doesn't hurt. But what people (laughs) forget is fire gel is good for about a minute. And oh, up to the sixty second mark, you're fine. But at sixty-one seconds, you're on fire. Like it does <laughs> it doesn't slowly fade away. It just I'm
1: fine, I'm fine. I'm on fire. Yeah. It's like it's like in young Frankenstein with the thumb's on fire. He's just like, hmm. You just freak out at that last second. Now But it's funny, like he did two takes of that shot and Hendrickson's like, yeah, let's do it again. So he actually did a second take, and I think that's when they slathered him up a little more. Like, one of the shots, he, he does look a little more slicked down, just in case.
0: Now, that was interesting, because that was a very obvious shot where it wasn't um, possibly reacting to that gunshot. <laughs> now, of course, my my question is, why Van Damme's character suddenly during the fight, is able to flip like a mad circus gymnast all the
1: time? He's yeah, you know, training for the, uh, the flash kicks in uh, Street Fighter. Ah, that could be <laughs> it. But yeah, I mean, Henriksen's
0: milking that, but... The, yeah. the fact that you're on fire and you're going to improvise is just yes. awesome because there you go that's the problem when it you're not expecting fire in, in front face. of your face no nope. you know? he still has his eyebrows impressive oh no well that's <laughs> the thing because that's what you always tell me you go make sure you cover your eyebrows make sure you know and you know you, the fact that you can see like people are like uh, are we still running like, you
1: where know, like, <laughs> even Sven's kind of backing up like I don't know guys
0: yeah <laughs> But as we said, you know, Van you know, suddenly Van Damme and Mark Stefanich are now Olympic gymnasts. It's, you know, yeah. Because <laughs> why not? But the thing is, you know, he's like there, he's got so much fire gel. On. And you can tell that from Vosloo's face that this was just like, okay, we're just running with this. Like you know,
1: Yeah, like it's still part of that take at that point. Yeah. You know, and like with this, you
0: know, Wolf of Brimley, who does just, just look like everyone's favourite uncle. I mean he's just <laughs>
1: It does make you go, maybe my uncle could do that. My, my uncle would save me if I was in trouble. And if you look at that shot, you actually see that Yancey Butler was, like, mouthing something. There was a line that they ended up just lopping out in post where she says something along the lines of... Because he tells her once yeah. again to go back to the sheriff and she says, oh, that bastard killed my father. I'm getting him or something like that. Now, and they, they cut it not out.
0: Not even John Wick does the upside down <laughs> slow motion because... That's a really risky way to fire a gun, especially if somebody's got a machine gun. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, and it's just awesome though. It's just yeah, and I think this is the thing, like in the work print, where some of this does go completely and utterly insane. Yeah, with yes, and- with crazy reloads and just the madness of it.
1: And, I think and a lot that of this was the cut from the, uh, the R version as well, yeah. I- including the guy getting back up and him saying, give it a rest, pal. That also was cut from the uh, the R version. I
0: always find that interesting, though, sometimes how, because when you sit down with the ratings board and you start, like, you know, growing up in England, I grew up during a time when you couldn't have nunchucks in a movie, Yeah,
1: you know, because yes. it was, oh my
0: God, that nunchucks are the most dangerous weapon in the history of the world, you know, chain they must, sticks, they must be removed from everything. <laughs> Yeah, oh, like, let's and, not
1: forget the poster of Enter the Dragon where they turn the nunchucks into a bow staff.
0: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I remember watching Enter the Dragon on TV, and it's like, wait a minute, ben, you know, Bruce Lee had two sticks. Why is there a chain around them now? You know, what's going on? <laughs> like, you know, it's everything. And just this, you know, I mean, it's yeah. borrowing from himself. I mean, he borrows from Hard Boiled here with this oh, upcoming yeah. moment. But it works so well. And as we said, the fact that Yancey doesn't suddenly become super cool, super gung-ho knows how to fire guns without any response, you know. Yeah, you
1: know, she she takes him down, you know, Mr. Frick takes it takes it, but you know And you see him like all squibbed up too. Like he, even before he's getting shot, you just see like all this padding in his chest just waiting for the gunfire. Yeah. You know, and the fact that she's like, <laughs> I have just killed someone. This is not a good yeah, thing. The most realistic response in this film I would say like, oh shit, I thought I was ready for this. I'm not ready for this. Yeah. And, uh, see, I wasn't ready for that. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he,
0: he's, he can fly. You know, it's. Yeah. I do think this. I can understand. Maybe a studio exec going, "Why is our hero doing all these flips?" Like, <laughs> never at any point in the movie previously have we shown he has a gymnastics background, but no. suddenly he can do everything. I mean, you, know, and- you don't. I mean, Wilfred does a uh, nearly does a Hong Kong spin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Learn from the best There you go I mean I love this Because it's just When you get to kick
1: Someone's sunglasses off I mean come on <laughs> yeah. In slow-mo of course It's just bottom. I just, feel like if Yancy Butler's character Was going to kill anybody It should have been Mr. Lopaki Since technically He's the one who killed Who her did brother. kill
0: her father Yeah there should have been That yeah. moment where he's like, oh, I, you know, I get to kill the daughter too, yeah. Like, <laughs> not yeah, that
1: there's any way that the film established that they know each other, but yeah, I mean, it would have
0: been a nice moment. Like you give him that whole thing, like, ah, oh, yeah. So it is you, the sa- the daughter, is it not? Yeah, yeah. Wrong Van Damme movie. Damn. You know, they all just run together. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Like you know, you, you almost want that love you know, what's love got to do with it <laughs> yeah, <You know>, where <laughs> suddenly just punch him out, that's for that's for no retreat, no surrender. Yeah, you know, it's yeah you know, it's yeah <laughs> but as we said, you know, Bandam's gonna have full double guns, yeah, you know, Voslu's got the shotgun, oh, yeah. it's Squib City, it's it's Absolutely. full loads on set. Like and the same thing, I completely understand on set having airsoft nowadays because of Yes you know, pick up safety, time, budget, everything. Oh yeah. And I, But I do miss having four loads on set. Although the problem is, I can speak from experience, I've many a time fucked up on a shoot because we've just fired too many bullets. Oh, no. There's a (laughs) Yun-Wu-Ping movie called The Red Wolf. And they kept telling all the foreigners, like, no, look, we're going to put your guns on three-shot bursts. And everyone, as soon as the armor would walk away, would turn to full auto. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the first night when the band opens fire was just constantly, I'm oh, sorry, I'm out of bullets. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nobody wow. wanted to do three-shot bursts. Everyone was like, I'm full on. And this Short-controlled sti- bursts. Yeah. And this still holds up to it. I mean, yes, it's from Hard yes. Boiled, but just, it's such a cool... I want to copy this, but I want to do a split screen. Like, I keep yeah. thinking about this going... Go Imagine Brian if you could do it, yeah, if you did a split screen, you could get away with cutting together two different takes. But it's yeah. it just, this guy's got the best face. I'm sorry when he gets shot. <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> like he's already getting shot, even though he hasn't been yeah.
0: hit yet. <laughs> and it's the fact that he's then, I'm still going to throw the grenade. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's, it's amazing, like everything they had to go through to set up this entire sequence because Russell Carpenter, the cinematographer, was getting stressed out over the fact that, oh, we're shooting this with like four, five, six cameras and firing guns near the lenses. Cool, that's that's totally fine. I'm not going to have a mess. Why does that guy have process. a Mar- why does that guy have a Mario mustache? It's like, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean and that's the thing because you know in a Hong Kong movie you'll be going, okay, we're gonna shoot with multiple cameras. Yeah. And I think as well because in the West, you're constantly going. Okay, how is this going to cut together? How is this going to do that? Okay. Yeah. Whereas you know, John Woo and Co. are still going. No, no, it doesn't matter that in this shot, it's slightly different. You're know, like um, if you know, when you watch some of the Jackie Chan movies and everything, and it's very obviously two or three different takes depending on the angle, because yeah. in in a Hong Kong film, you just go, it's fantasy. We're we're, we're selling that idea, you know, and just bustling. Vozzly- Cause it, you, you're expecting, oh my God, Vosloo's going to be the Terminator. He's going to keep going, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And I always wish that Vosloo got to come back because it's just kind of like, it's a little bit of a under
1: understated death, like, you know? yes, yes. Considering that everything, like the hell he put him through, and that yeah. he's a second in command, there should have been a bit more. And I always wondered, was he going to try to blow them both up, or was he actually saying, "Fuck this, here you go, you're going to need this." Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, if it had been that moment where he's like, okay, you just
0: like, <laughs> I'm going to pull the grenade. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then same thing. You've got that. This is, a, it's, you know, oh yeah, my man's dead. Now, now Henriksen's losing it. Oh, yeah. Because you know? this in the work print <laughs> is where they really start going mad with the slow-mo. Yes. And,
1: oh, yeah.
0: And of course, this is Van Damme homaging Ray, you know, Ray Winston in Scum. Yeah. Ray Winston has the, the snooker balls in a sock.
1: Van Damme has the hand grenade in his shirt. Yeah. You know. And then you have this guy with what looks like a fake beard.
0: Yeah, I think as a, they'd run out of stunt guys by this time. So I wonder if that might have been what happened here. Because suddenly everyone's got Luigi moustaches and beards and hats on, you know. And you're going, there That's... weren't that many guys on motorcycles to begin with. Where are all these people coming from?
1: And for years I tried to figure out what the temp music was in this segment when it's just the two of them. And apparently it's from... Um, I, I think it was an Andy Garcia film uh, called Jennifer Eight. Oh and the track is yeah, yeah. called a Talking which, Elevator, which Lance Henriksen's also in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's another moment like that where it's like, hey, Lance is in this. We're gonna use music from one of his other films. When they use uh, multiple tracks from Aliens, by the way. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: and it's just, I it, said Henriksen's so good.
1: Yeah, know, he's not chewing up the scenery. He's blowing up the scenery.
0: Yeah. And, and the same thing—the fact he's still firing a single-shot weapon, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> like, In, into the fire, hoping he hits something. Exactly, and not even frantically reloading. <laughs> he's shouting and screaming. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> going, Van Damme has access to grenades and machine guns, yeah. You know? <laughs> and then we have the Greek chorus here of like, yo, know, of masks and, and floats and everything. This Which is have- actually
1: one of. It's yep. one of the bigger differences between the two cuts of the film, the, the two theatrical uh, release cuts, in that in the R-rated cut, you actually saw Van Damme saying those first lines, where he's like, how does it feel to be hunted? But in this cut, they're like, no, we're going to do more of like a, a disembodied voice just to make it creepier. And I kind of like this approach better, because it does kind of like show uh, yeah, in, uh in the
0: other cut, it's kind of like you're going, oh my god, Van Damme is becoming Lance Henriksen. He's becoming yeah." The, now, the funny thing of that is, when we did, when they did Hard Target 2, I was briefly working on that. The original script, that's what basically happened. Van Damme was introduced, and he'd now become kind of like the Lance Henriksen character. That For he sure. was, it was a great reveal. He turns up, he's got the mullet, but it's all gray now. And it's like, <laughs> he steps out the shadows, and you're like, oh my god, Van Damme. You know, Charles Boudreau has become the bad guy. <laughs> and it was such a great setup because then by the end of the movie, you realize he's not really the bad guy. He's hunting the hunters. But it's just, for a moment, you're like, oh my God, they're going full insane. Now, Charles Boudreaux has become, you know, Mr. Fouchon. He's become the bad dude. And how how evil can you be that you're, you, you've just stabbed his uncle with a crossbow bolt? <laughs>
1: you're now using it in a girl's hair. <laughs> Which, funny enough, that little quick shot of her yelping was in no other cut of the film, only this unrated cut, not even the work prints.
0: And then you're going to make some kind of sexual connection by making her reach into your belt to slowly reload for
1: you. Load me.
0: (laughs) While Jean-Claude phallically pumps the shotgun to get rid of his
1: (laughs) shells. It's like watching that Gus Johnson video, how people use shotguns in movies, where he just keeps pumping shotgun shells over and over and over Is like, I got like 42 shells in this four round magazine I was I was
0: doing a movie Ultimate Justice with Mark Dacascos and I was pumping a shotgun and I broke it <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I had this cool moment I was like yeah click oops <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and rest- full, full yeah and then for the rest go yeah and I had to like Boudreaux. tape it up
0: with like you know, gaffer tape and hide yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people like why are you holding the gun so awkwardly I'm like because it's broken yeah, yeah. <laughs> The audience doesn't know. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but this as well, the the whole thing of like, you know, the girl has a reason why, you know, you, you have nothing. Even poor people yeah.
1: get bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and that just pisses them off even more.
0: <laughs> but, but it's just, that's a believable moment because it's like. It's, it, it takes away the sting of it being a Van Dam one line because it's. Yeah. You've got a lot of times going, What the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> I was like, What does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> I like, Oh, if I'd invited you to kill people, you'd have come along and we could have been friends. It's, yeah. You know. <laughs> and then said, Yo, know, so this is his last bullet. You know? Yeah. And the, the build-up is just awesome because even that, she's daintily, you know, woof.
1: I've dropped it. And this was the end of the uh, the finale originally. This was the last moment. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because it's just such an epic thing, you know. Because it's like, all you have to do, Lance, is step to the side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like, no, it's the principal, damn it. Yeah. You know, and, and actually, they this is one of the parts where they used music from Aliens in the uh, the temp track. It was going after Newt. Ah. Now. Yeah. Which I, works really
0: well. Now I've been hit like that in the sternum, and it damn well hurts. Mm. I, I broke my sternum on a movie doing oh, that. God. And now we're in reshoots. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Now this is when I think Van Damme's wearing a bit of a wig. because Probably. I'm not sure how much later this was filmed. I mean, obviously it was after the uh, the test audiences. And it's funny because it's reminding me of two things. Uh, It's reminding me one of uh, Bullet in the Head where they had to reshoot because, like, oh, there's not enough action at the end of the movie. So they went back and shot an action set piece, and that's basically what they did here. And then on top of that, the way the scene's set up reminds me of the finale of *Hero*, Shed No Tears between Eddie Ko and Lam Ching Ying, where, like, the guns are down. It's basically just whatever you can find to beat the shit out of each other. Oh, with.
0: no, I mean, in *Hero*, Sh- I like it because it's that whole thing of exactly we've lost all the equipment, we've lost all the glory. Yeah. Now it is just two men trying to kill each other. There's no yep. more epic moment to it it's just like I want to kill you you want to kill me although the yeah. question I always had is why doesn't Lance Henderson just throw the hand grenade away
1: <laughs> my dad's been asking the same thing yeah. for almost 30 years <laughs> because I and was it always like, like a Sam Raimi moment though yeah. I always wondered about it's that it's a like, dark man moment yeah
0: because <laughs> 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 I was always like wouldn't it have been cooler if he'd just thrown it at you know, like duvet and everyone and Van Damme <laughs> could have kicked it back or something because in the
1: original version of the scene, after he knocks him into the, the, the leftover Mardi Gras stuff, uh, he then tosses the grenade at him while he's like half a day, so he doesn't even get a chance to react. That
0: was a little more realistic. Yeah, <laughs> because I was like, he reaches in, gets the grenade, and instead of throwing it, then decides to unscrew it. <laughs> Just toss it. Yeah. Toss it. yeah you know, because if he'd done that, you could have still had the one like, as he goes to throw it, it blows up or something. <laughs> yeah. You know. Full, full uh, Wile E. Coyote. But as I said, you know, it's it's still such a good movie. It's Oh yeah. I think it the problem was it came out at that time when unfortunately the critics were kind of turning on Jean Claude a bit. True. And I think to some audience, because it wasn't Jean Claude kicking and screaming and doing the splits, some yeah. people were like, hang on a minute, Van Damme's going away from what we expect. This isn't this isn't right. So yeah. I think it kind of got caught in that kind of middle ground. But it's it's still so much fun.
1: It and holds up really well, and I would definitely say it's like probably in like the top three or five Van Damme films, in my opinion.
0: And come on, in Any movie that ends with Born on the Bayou and our heroes yeah. walking off, and luckily every single person is dead. There's not one survivor. <laughs> There's you know, no no one is like you're like this is when Vosloo could have reappeared. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not like the end of Die Hard. <laughs> exactly. So you know, but I said you know, Hard Target. 1993, damn, yeah. 28 years ago. Times have changed, you know. Yeah. Now I don't think you'd be allowed to have a hero with a mullet. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there'd, there'd have been a lot of studio discussion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted wanted to see uh, Scott Atkins in a mullet, and we didn't. Get I want to see Jason Statham with a mullet.
0: There you go. Imagine if <laughs> Statham grew his hair back and went, "I'm going full <laughs> mullet." Yeah. <laughs> Hard Target 3, make it happen. There you go. No, I mean, I said great fun. Um, if you actually are a fan of Scott Adkins, of course, there's Hard Target 2, but there's also, I think Scott's got it on his YouTube channel, there's a very Hard Target-inspired short film of his where he oh. basically is re- recreates much of Hard Target uh, oh, sure. when he was at school. So it's like a teenage Scott Adkins oh my um, God, check that out. in a suit with like <laughs> airsoft guns making trouble. But I said, you know, oh, Van, Van Damme at his finest. You know, it was when Van Damme was, yeah, just fresh off of Time
1: Cop. You know, the mallet was there. You know, now, did he shoot them out of order? Because I know Time Cop came in late 94. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's... interesting. Or, I know Sam Raimi was also a producer on that one, too. Yeah, um, but maybe that thing, because I, I always question it, because, you know,
0: had he grown the hair for Time Cop, and then they malleted it for this? Or had he <laughs> had he grown the mallet for this, and they went, you know, for Time Cop, we're just going to give you a bouffant... And come on, Make
1: Up for Jean Claude Van Damme by Zoltan, the Hound of Dracula. You know, and everything. Not, not to be confused with Zetan, the, uh, the all knowing uh, from the end of The Silent Flute. <laughs> That's a deep cut, I know. There you go.
0: But as we said, you know, hard target. Thank you very much to Kino Lorber for, for releasing this. Great to, Absolutely. And great 4K. to see it getting the thing. Yeah. And then thank you, Master Brandon, Brandon Bentley, for joining me on the thank commentary. You Mike. Thank you very much. And as I said, thank you very much for listening to us. And we hope to meet you again on another audio commentary. Till next time. Keep supporting physical media. Thank you. And bye-bye.